You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How are you doing? Oh, you're holding up a picture. That's some sort of big demonstration. It looks like from days of yore. Uh, it's 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 the march on the Pentagon where the anti-war demonstrators were trying to levitate the Pentagon. 1972, roughly. Those were the innocent days. They they weren't trying to storm it, but they were trying to levitate it. But if you notice, in the in, in during the Vietnam War when they wanted to defend a building, they didn't they didn't fool around. They had a phalanx of cops, a phalanx yeah. of unarmed cops, and then behind it is a bigger phalanx of uh, army guys with guns. Okay. And let me guess. You're asking where were these guys on January 6th of last yes, year? Yes. My 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 biggest takeaway, and it just happens to coincide with right wing talking points. It's just an accident from the January 6th show last night. Was you know where it was pathetic. They had this line of like. 12 policemen, yeah. one of in the, the lead witness was this woman, okay? Yeah. I'm sure she's a great cop, but you want a 300-pound big guy in that role. Yeah. Uh and and they they were it was very easy for the proud boys to get by them. Uh and you know, it's it just it's it just pathetic that the capital couldn't defend itself against a mob of 40 proud boys. There just weren't that many proud boys Mickey, there Mickey, or the last, oath keepers. The last thing I want to do is tarnish your pundit credentials, but I believe people like me and you made this point more than a year ago. Well, right. But, but, you know, they had, they, they, they wanted to have a, a, you know, a rehash of everything at the hearings and that, so what were the lessons we learned in the rehash? There, there was a bit of news. It was more effective than I expected. Uh, it was certainly interesting. Some of the shots were like cinematic, uh, which was amazing. Uh, and they, you know, but this was this was the main lesson that that I relearned, uh, and it was sort of brought home to me. Um, well, it's certainly true. I will say something I've said at least four times on this podcast. That the night before, I was listening to Steve Bannon's podcast, and he was like, you know, the nerve center of this whole thing. And he was using the kind of language that was definitely going to get people energized. And I, I remember where I was. I was taking a walk when I thought they better have a battalion tomorrow. It's yeah. obvious to anyone yeah. paying any attention. It, but it, it, they didn't. It's very weird. On the right, they're saying they say that Pelosi uh, vetoed uh, added security. That doesn't quite seem to be true. Uh, or at least we don't know it to be true. The uh, the security is decided by this weird tripartite board of the sergeant at arms of each body, and the and and they were just like a incompetent bunch of boobs. One of whom, the house sergeant at arms, is technically serves at Pelosi's will, although she didn't appoint him. So the question, you know, people are hypothesizing, and he said he was worried about the optics of of having a lot of troops. I think Washington, the Washington's mayor was too. It, it got back to things that had happened that year. And by the time the Washington's mayor got there, it was way later though. Uh, this so was in the er we agree on this. We, we agree on this. Uh, uh, okay. But they, they, I didn't, I, as somebody who did not watch any of this and just saw a couple of video segments on social media, tell me what did I miss? So you've got, Jared Kushner, Kushner dismissing somebody as a whiner. Um, you've got 
people uh, saying that they, well, you've got Barr, William Barr saying, I tried to explain to Trump that it was all bullshit. He lost the election. What right. else? Right. What are the. Well, no, the, but the, that was in his book. Barr has been saying that for a while. The, the news, uh, the, the biggest news was that several House, House Republicans, according to Cheney, had asked Trump for pardons after it. Mm -hmm. which indicates some uh, sense of guilt on their part. Uh, mm. The, mm. Um, the uh, you know, it didn't really, uh, you know, Byron York had a pretty good column. They, uh, you know, the, the Democrats, they're, they're postulating a grand conspiracy theory. And you got Trump with uh, Professor Eastman over here, uh, you know, trying to concoct some way to overturn the electors in various states. And then you got the attacks on the Capitol over here. And in theory, they could fit together because if, you know, the attacks on the Capitol sort of prevented Pence from affirming the electors, that buys Eastman some more time maybe to do his thing over here. But what they need is evidence that Trump directed, you know, wanted the, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers to, to violently take the Capitol and chase, chase Pence away. And that's what's missing. The best. The best they have, which which leaked before, so it wasn't news, is that Trump said after he learned that they were thinking of hanging Pence, he said, you know, maybe Pence deserves that. Well, that's, that's different than, than that's, like it's kind of it's a pretty bad thing to say about the vice president when you're the president and the vice president is in the middle of fulfilling his duties, uh, his constitutionally ordained right, duties no, to I, secure I, a peaceful transition of I, power, as I, is optimal in a democracy. I'm not saying that Trump didn't commit impeachable offenses after right. the attack happened. And if he was still in office, you'd want to impeach him. But, you know, they, they didn't get around to it until after he left office. So uh, they couldn't. But just there was not time. So um, but uh, the other thing, there was a part of it that contradicted their theory, which is, uh, you know, they in Punchbowl, it says Trump organized a violent mob and sent them down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol, okay? Well, the timeline of the video they showed clearly shows that the Proud Boys were at the Capitol before the Trump rally that sent people down. So they were there from like early in the morning. Mm -hmm. They didn't go to the rally. Trump and didn't send them down Pennsylvania Avenue. And, and they, you know, who, who sent them there? I don't know, but they were... You know, they 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 had nothing to do with. But the when rally. did they breach the perimeter? They breached the perimeter at two thirteen, Bob. After in the uh, speech ended. No, they, breached, they breached the Capitol building at two thirteen. Uh, they they breached. You know, well, they breached the. I perimeter mean, did they not before. breach the perimeter until some people had gotten there from the speech? Because I'm sure that the, those people would have complicated the the police the police's job. I th my people who were there said there was time to march down Pennsylvania right. Avenue. Uh, and be there in time for the breach. Yes. So there you go. Uh, but book him. But, but but that doesn't. But no. But the, 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 if you looked at the video, it was all. It was like you know twenty proud boys beating up these cops. Uh, that's sort of what it was. Right. But uh, but but I submit that if it had only been twenty proud boys and nobody else, they would have been able to handle it. But there are already a bunch of people there. It's not like there were only. That's my point. That's my point. Did they come from the speech?
Some came from the speech, but hundreds of thousands, you know, tens of thousands were already there on, on in front of the at, Capitol. At the Capitol, tens of thousands who hadn't come from the so. speech. Come yeah. on, Mitchie, that's were, not true. There were they had a big stage set up. Sure, they, they, tens they, of they thousands was, of people who had not come from the speech were at the Capitol. I think you're, that's you, right. Yes, you're going with that. Okay, go with that. Okay, good luck with that one. <laughs> Let's that turn one. that over to the fact checkers in the comment section. Um, uh, five digits, folks. No, no, uh, more than five digits. The there's also Twice the, the five digits, twenty thousand at least. Go, sorry, go ahead. There's also the um, the issue of the timing of Trump's speech. that said Mike Pence didn't do his duty today or whatever, uh, and 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 we we you. You had had pointed out that this might have happened as the rioters were prowling the Capitol, searching for Trump, Mike Pence. Uh, I hadn't realized that it, with with a with a with a mobile gallows. Uh, first, I don't know if this mobile gallows was functional, but certainly it was. I guess any anything with a rope is functional as a gallows. And second, uh, it was outside. So okay, mm -hmm. so they read that tweet you talked about. This would strike you. One of the people with a microphone outside before they before they chanted "Bring out Pence, Bring out Pence," read that Trump tweet. Okay, that was a two twenty four. And then they started chanting. The, according, that's what the video leads you to believe. I I assume that's true. Uh, well, that and, is significant timing. And um, and they had breached the Capitol at two thirteen. So did they? Did they have time to know that their people had breached the Capitol and were, in fact, I think, I think probably they did, but uh, it was just a, it was a, it's a close question of whether mm -hmm. they were actually hunting for, hunting for Pence when Trump tweeted that, and did Trump know that they were hunting for Pence at the time? I don't quite know. Either way, it's pretty. Uh, he, bad. he got the general idea. Come on, I mean, he knows he knows Pence is in there sweating. He's got to be able to surmise that, and he and he yeah. turns up the heat. Well, and he didn't know that they were saying hang pants. This it's truly is the most clearly impe impeachable thing he's done, I think. And there are other candidates for that, but uh, it's amazing. And you know, it, it still amazes me that Twitter, when they came up with a rationale for banning him, I don't think he even mentioned this. All they should have done is just focus on this one thing that he used Twitter to do. But I digress. So was there anything, I mean, is there any consequence of this whole thing? Except for, I guess, electoral. They they hope that voters will see it and be swayed or something, right? The Democrats hope, I mean. I think, yes. Uh, you know, they don't have many cards to play, especially given the inflation numbers that came out today. Are they uh, bad? Terrible. Hmm. Uh, the, you know, last month it seemed to be sort of diminishing but it turned out that, and some people speculated that it was just because gas prices had gone down, and it was just just because gas prices had gone down. It was back up to like eight percent, six percent in the mm -hmm. core. Jason Furman, who I respect, who's the first guy I go to when this happens, says, "You know, this is the Fed has to announce uh, it will do whatever it takes to uh, bring inflation under the control, obviously even provoking a recession." And that if they do that, that would in itself calm calm people down. But it's it's that moment. It's it's you know it's uh, it's we're we're looking at 1980 again. Well, good news, Mickey. Uh, Biden is going to go to Saudi Arabia and bond with MBS and get him to pump some more oil. So there, you got that. He seems so somewhat reluctant. I think well, it hasn't been understandably, given how horrible it looks. 
Uh, but uh, what I would recommend is like actually doing an Iran deal, uh, which wouldn't be hard if they wanted to do it. Get that oil pumping, get the Venezuelan oil back more fully on the market. I thought they were flirting with that, but I haven't heard anything about that. I mean, this, I mean don't get me started. Oh, by the way, that we had the the Summit of the Americas this week. You know, it was in L.A. Did you go to the Summit of the Americas? Uh you're, you're no, not. The, you're no, not nor curious. was there. Nor was not, there even the traffic jam that usually accompanies a presidential visit. It took me forever to figure out where the hell it was. It turns out it was at the convention center. Well, it uh, was a downtown. flop. It was a flop. Mexico's president refused to come. Well, I thought that was a little bit of a fake because they send all their top aides. Still, it's a major snub, and the reason oh. for it is that we refuse to invite Cuba and Venezuela because we're so moralistic and preachy. And the Mexican president said, screw you. It's a major snub. More evidence that that, that uh, Tony Blinken is an amateur, just totally unnecessary. Just like, uh, you know, our foreign policy is virtue signaling and it's very, very costly. Um, it, can I make one, one point about the oil business? Yeah. When I was stuck in Pecos, Texas, the, that's the center Nothing of like did you have a cantaloupe in Pecos? Because there's nothing like a Pecos cantaloupe. I couldn't, no. Uh, I don't know if I was in there in cantaloupe season. But anyway, there were a thousand white pickup trucks because it's the center of the shale industry and the shale was being drilled and they were all making money. Okay. My impression is that they have a whole bunch of wells there. They can mobilize pretty quickly. And it, have we turned on that tap? I mean, yes, it causes earthquakes and it's not not a good thing, but in a temporary emergency, when the fate of the world is at stake, turn up the shale industry. Wait, so the reason they they're mobilized- They get in their white pickup trucks and they start pumping the fucking oil. The reason they're mobilized is for fear of earthquakes? I don't, my impression is that, that Biden has tamped it down, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I, well, I mean, I'm sometimes asking, it's I don't just know. That, the, that, that a given well is so costly that the, or the yield is so low that the market price doesn't justify it. And if it oh, goes the up, the market price pump. is pretty high now. Well, um, what I don't get is why hasn't G Germany, like just last year or something, shut down the last of their several nuclear plants, which together generated something like 12% of their power. And the one thing they're not doing, in, even in light of the Russia sanctions, is just putting them online. And, you know, they could just say, we're just doing this for two years. OK, but it's just because of the Ukraine war special. I assume it's it can't. How hard can it be to reverse the decommissioning? And of course, since I have no idea what I'm talking about, the answer could be prohibitively hard, Bob. But it just I don't know. Anyway, because, you know, it's also green. That's the thing about that energy. It would be good for climate change. I mean, bad right. for climate change, which means good for our side and us versus climate change war. I don't think that's the position of the German Green Party, though. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, they're, they, they, they are abiding some other indignity in the name of the Ukraine war, but I forget what it is. So they're, they're showing some kind of flexibility. No, they're not. They're, they're very they're strong on Ukraine, but they're um, I don't know what their position is on nuclear power. The um, there's uh, there's also this weird. Uh, Schumer clip that that surfaced of him saying after some when some abortion case was pending, I tell you, Gorsuch, I tell you, Kavanaugh, you will reap the whirlwind. You will not know what hits you, what what's hit you if you go ahead with these horrible decisions. Then the next paragraph, he says, 
Uh, would somebody gonna, please go to the House of a no? Supreme he Court says we're going to beat you a, in the elections. Pistol. What? Oh, he, and uh, which, which would be a you know a, an acceptable threat. But and Jonathan Chait wrote a column defending uh, Schumer on those grounds. But how would winning the elections hurt Gorsuch specifically and and uh, Kavanaugh specifically? They're still in, you know, they'd still well, be in yeah, office. But, but the assumption is they're so partisan, they don't want to lose the conservative majority in the Supreme Court. I guess that's, I guess that's right. I mean, he's saying, you, you know, you're all part of this right-wing movement and you're not going to know what, what hits you. But uh, I don't know. It seemed a little over the top. Now this this guy who was caught near Kavanaugh's house or whatever, what did he did he have a, a pistol or what? Yes, he had a gun, some kind That's of gun. That's bad. I mean, this is alarming. I like. I worry we're headed to a day when like the whole Supreme Court lives in a compound, you know, with a perimeter. Well, and uh, I mean, Kavanaugh has to move. I mean, unless he's incredibly courageous, I just would not. I mean, well, yeah, but why him any any more than anyone else? I mean, well, the, all the have precedent has been set. Well, that's what I mean. That's yeah. where we're headed. That's not good. But they don't want to be in a compound because then they'll attack the compound. They have to move to an undisclosed location. Plus, they'll have to socialize with each other. But, you know, you save on security that way. You just have a single, you know, air defense system. Work great right. in the Capitol. Yeah, get those guys. Get the, Put the Capitol Police the, in charge of Supreme Get Court. that lady cops and send them off. Um, the, I, I, I know it's alarming. And if I were in the New York, if you were editor of the New York Times, I assume you wouldn't have run it on page A20. No, I would not have. Yeah. Has um, Joseph Kahn taken over as the editor of the New York Times? Is, 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 I don't is think so. Bakay back hasn't left, or is it Bakay? I don't think so. I don't think he's left. But Meanwhile, I mean, Washington he, Post. Know, they, how about that crazy Washington Post? Or did you have more to say about these other things? No, I've. Oh, we have a lot to talk about, but we can talk about the Washington Post. The, um, uh, the essential. Well, first, I would gloat because they fired this woman, Felicia Summers. Yeah, just quickly, in case anybody has not yeah. been paying attention. Okay, so um, Dave Weigel, excellent uh, Washington Post reporter, retweets a tweet, a joke tweet. Surprises me because, you know, Dave Weigel has a pretty sophisticated sense of humor. This was not a sophisticated joke, A. And B, it did have red a red flag, right? It's like, you know... Like you see this joke, like uh, I think it had I a red flag. You mean actually when he looked at it? There no, was a I physical... just mean a metaphorical red flag. Like if, if you're a guy who doesn't want to get in trouble, like with somebody like Felicia Sonmez, for example, but 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 any number of of less energized people who don't like sexist jokes, you might pass on this one. The joke was something like all girls are bi. The question whether it is whether it's polar or sexual. You know, come on, Dave. I think can, it, it's a better joke if it's sexual or polar. But I think it was polar or sexual, right? Really? I don't. I believe so. That's what I mean. <laughs> it's one thing to retweet it if it's sexual or polar, but if it's as polar as sexual and you're tweeting, Dave, Dave, Dave. It's, Dave, it's very up. similar to a joke a friend of mine says, which is you should never date an actress because they're all crazy. And if they don't seem crazy, it's just because they're good actresses. Uh, sim <laughs> That's better. That joke is a little funnier. That's better. But, uh, but this was a t like a terrible version of that joke. And I'm sure that there are similar jokes about all men are blockheads and think with their penises. I and think things those like that. are more acceptable. In fact, you but they're more acceptable. They're more acceptable. They don't offend the men the way uh, the way these these jokes legitimately offend women. So, uh, I yeah, but I mean, that. there's various reasons. It's like uh, and having to I accept that policy. asymmetry. I accept that asymmetry. Yeah, it's fine with me. But but uh, anyway, so. 
this Washington Post staffer, Felicia Sonmez, who previously, I think, had sued the Washington Post. Now, are you, are you up on this part or should I not ask you about it? It goes I, well. It goes beyond right that, up. Bob. Oh, I know. It starts with her. She, you know, she was instrumental in getting a lot. The, the I think, Beijing bureau chief of the Los Angeles Times. Correct. Fired. That's where it starts. Uh, she there was she and one other woman made allegations and hers, I think, was kind of the critical mass, as I understand. The There's way a big unfolded. Emily Yaffe piece in Reason in Reason magazine on this, yeah. which it was like, you know, a drunken hookup. And and there were various places where he might have done things that she hadn't consented to, but she did climb up six flights of stairs to go to his apartment. So how, how, well, how, I mean, you know, look, you can certainly go to a guy's apartment without expecting to be, to be raped, which is her. No, 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 but the, the, I'm not the saying worst, she the was, worst, I'm just saying the, that the itself. Worst, his worst offense had already happened at that point before the six flights of stairs. What do you mean? That's, that's the key fact. What do you mean? His worst offense. The he other woman? He supposedly molested her in some way after they got off a scooter in front of his apartment. Oh, I without see. Without her consent. And then they climbed the stairs. So how yeah, you pissed really, off You really could read up been? on this thing, didn't you? I read up. I linked to it and I read up on it last night. She that, has a response. She has a response, which I don't think is very damning. She has scores a couple of points. I haven't read Emily Yaffe's response to her response. But the point is, she, she first made her name uh, getting rid of the bureau chief of the L.A. Times for me too charges and they were not they were not strong me too charges and he, he that ended i think his his journalism career so then the washington post said well given your tell me if i've got this wrong given your history you shouldn't cover like sexual abuse cases and is that what she sued them over yes so, uh so you know she has a history of not being your your uh what shall we say? Uh, your employee who eats up the least administrative time. Right. Um, and 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 now, uh, so then she tweeted, oh, great, something like, oh, great working at a place where your staffer can retweet a joke like this and he's not, you know, immediately incinerated or something. <laughs> she didn't say that part. She but, did, this, yeah, nothing happened. But, but anyway, she was unhappy. And, and so... I, whether because of that or not, they did put Dave Weigel on a, he, he apologized. First of all, he said, I'm sorry, deleted the tweet. I'm a bad person. They, they he didn't say I'm a bad person, but he meant it. Uh, they, they, then they suspended him for a month without pay. I, if I was her, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be pretty happy for a year. That was a major victory. No, yeah. she's still, I forget what she was still, uh, she got into fights with other people, other staffers. Yeah. And she kept it up. And then the, the new editor of the Washington Post, who's clearly losing control of her newsroom. Sally uh, Busby. Sally Busby puts out a, two memos saying, you know, let's all be get along and stop pissing on each other. And Sun Miss keeps it up, uh, keeps up the criticism. I think she even criticized that, that memo. And at that point, you're the editor of the Washington Post. You've lost control unless you do something. It was a total challenge to her authority, mm -hmm. and and sort of you, you would think that you know you have to fire her at that point. And the and the memo was more forceful. It's like we will not tolerate employees like being mean to other employees right. online or off. It, it seemed clearly directed at her, and she took it that way and kind of complained about that. Um, and uh, so anyway, she got fired. Is that now official? She was fired by the Washington Post. Yeah. So. Here we are. Now you were going to say something. That's no, it's, context, it's, 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 
it's it's uh what what is what is the larger significant? First, I don't think we should gloat. I I want to gloat, but and all her enemies are gloating. But you know, I used I gloated when you know when Dave Weigel got had to leave the post the first time, and then he came back and he and he got himself together and he was great now. So you, who knows what's going to happen in the future? It is a limit of it's a it's it, it signifies sort of. There are limits on the sort of Me Too troublemakers or the woke troublemakers. There's a there's a reporter at the LA Times who sort of announced apparently, I'm going to spend the next year combing through Slack to try to get my fellow fellow employees who were who exhibited any signs of racism fired, and she did. She didn't write. She didn't write for a long time, and she's and they let her. Okay, these newsrooms are very tolerant of these woke people, and this says okay, there there are some limits. It's actually. It's very yeah. similar to the, uh, you know, there's this obvious transition to the Cheza Boudin recall. There are limits to woke DAs too, and Cheza Boudin found them, and he was recalled 60-40. Just, just quickly, before we get to that, which we can do immediately as far as I'm concerned, also Netflix has basically said to employees, look, you don't like our content, you shouldn't work for us. Just quit whining. We're going to run what we're going to run. Shut up. And and so I think there is there are signs of a kind of a backlash uh, to to extreme woke. Or, or I'd to, always thought H, that Netflix was the most woke of them, but apparently HBO is the most woke of them in terms of the staff level of wokeness. Yeah, mean, and, or? and content also. Oh. Well, Netflix, you know, Netflix has Chappelle. Netflix has Chappelle, so they're not giving that and up. And now they've they, run, did they also run this? There's a second, not Chappelle, but who uh, is the is the Chris Rock Chappelle thing that is that something that's gonna happen or I don't know. There was something else they ran. Oh, I know. It was what's his name? The guy who came up with the British version of The Office. What's his name? I don't know. Oh, well, this is important because that I think that was beyond Chappelle, and I believe it ran on Netflix, and it just ran. Oh, it's, that guy. They, that guy. They, the white made comedian. jokes about women having penises, yes. Yeah, uh, see, I'm I having know, trouble we not should know laughing. That guy's name. That's, that's first-class humor. What? We should know that guy's we name. We should know his name. We would in a, if we were, you know, 15, 20 years younger. It would be fine. <laughs> um, um, so, uh, so go ahead to uh, – what is it? Well, How does he pronounce Chase uh, – how does he pronounce? What's the first Chesa name? Chesa Boudin. Chesa. Uh, uh, it was a, a woke prosecutor who eked out a win uh, in 2019, I believe. He's backed by supposedly by Soros money. His predecessor, George Gascon, was also a woke DA. He moved to Los Angeles to spread his magic in Los Angeles. He is with similar results. He's about to be uh, maybe be recalled here. Uh, the uh, the the general uh, the general sort of CW takeaway on this uh, is uh, that uh, it was mainly because he 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 abandoned broken windows policy, decided not to prosecute, uh, uh, you know, uh, broken windows quali quality of life crimes, mm -hmm. uh, didn't prosecute uh, drug, didn't enforce the drug laws. And, and didn't prosecute petty thefts. So theft soared, there were open air uh, drug use places, and the streets were filled with homeless people and shit. It, there wasn't that much of a rise in violent crime. Uh, so it's not a New York situation or a Chicago situation where people are being gunned down on the streets every day. There was some of that. But it's mainly that 
even the quality of life crimes, if you don't enforce them and the city goes all to hell, that pisses people off. Okay. Um, there was also some a wave of anti-Asian hate crimes that were violent, and the Asians are a big power in San Francisco, and they came out against them. Okay. Uh, the 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 best piece on this, everybody agrees, is Nellie Bowles's piece in the Atlantic. Everyone. Pretty much. I mean, it's sort of like left. It, it, it wasn't that right wing a piece. It was sort of, and she's not that right wing a person. She's a complicated person. But uh, have you asked Cesar Boudin if he agrees that it's the best piece on the subject? <laughs> uh, even Cesar Boudin thinks it's so a great it's piece. It's the best takedown of him that could be done. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, 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 it puts it in the context of other crises in in San Francisco involving housing and the school board. There was a school board recall that preceded this. So this is building and the momentum of that. And also there's, uh, you know, there, there's this sort of general nimbyism and failure to, uh, to provide housing, which she sort of links to the homeless crisis in a way that is very not un-PC. In other words, the Michael Schellenberger theory is, uh, Housing has nothing to do with homelessness. They're all druggies. We offer them housing. They turn it down. The the liberal view, which Bowles seems to share, is uh, why didn't they build more housing? There'd be fewer homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is that weird weirdness. But it's still a great piece because she has, you know, chapter and verse on on all the incidents. Mm. Uh, and she's a good writer, as you know. She's definitely a good writer. And it, I applaud it, that. I yeah. it's. It, Speaking of which, I want to read, I haven't yet read uh, Jen Sr.'s piece on uh, our friend Steve Bannon in the Atlantic, but I've heard good things about it, and I'm determined to, determined to find the time. Um, I wish uh, I could yeah, find the time okay, before hey. the parrot room and we could talk about it then, but um, I assume it's exhaustive and will take, uh, you know, like an afternoon. Yeah. By the way, Schellenberger, who is running this guy who writes about the homeless and be, all being on drugs, was running for governor against Newsom. He seems to have gotten, it's very hard to tell in California how many ballots have counted. They're going to be counting for like, you know, mail-in ballots have have seven days to come in. They're going to be counting for, I think, 20 more days. Okay. Goes on for a long time. Mm. But he seems to have topped out at 3.8%, not reaching the cow's threshold. What did you get when you ran for Senate? 3.9%? The Mendoza line of California politics, which is 5%. You got 5%? Somebody said I got 5.3%. I think that's a little high. I think I got 5%. But um, Isn't there like an official number you could refer to? You were the candidate, Mickey. If if you're not motivated enough to find the actual number, who, I ask you, is... Every losing candidate knows how many votes they got down to the single... Do you know the raw number? One hundred twenty-three thousand something, something, something. That's that's more people than we have in the parrot room. That's that's not bad. It's a big state, Bob. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, through just like random error, you would have probably gotten what one hundred ten thousand. Random error, I would have gotten four percent. Okay, so, so you would so, have gotten about <laughs> ninety-five thousand. Something but like. Congratulations that. on those other ones, who were probably um, getting you mixed up with. Oh, never mind. I can I, 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 I'm, I'm happy for you. Go ahead. Um, anyway, the, I guess the, the major issue there is, is this the end of criminal justice, ref, left-wing criminal justice reform? And I think yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they tried it. 
It failed. It was rejected by the well, voters. Okay? What does that consist of? So so one part of it you're saying is broken windows policy, which used to not be the standard policy. Wasn't it a big innovation when New York said we're going to. Yes. And okay. it worked. OK, so that for whatever but, for whatever reason, uh, it coincided with a decline in crime. So what else constitutes left-wing district attorneying oh, other than uh, abandoning broken windows policy? Well, it's, it's, it's to uh, to fight over incarceration by diverting people into programs of restorative justice or various rehabilitation things that don't involve jail time or a criminal record. That's that's the main one. Uh, it involves uh, 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 ending money bail. So... There's an algorithm that predicts. Yeah, you got to admit should... that's kind of unfair. When rich people don't have to, you know, spend time in jail before the court case, which you'd think, you know, I mean, that's kind of unfair. Right, but the problem is our our our, our criminal justice system is so slow that the time you spend in jail and so fine, you know, but it's so egregious. The time you injustice. spend in jail is the only punishment you're going to get often. And if you're a junkie and you're face the prospect of spending two weeks in jail where you're going to go through withdrawal, that's a deterrent. If you're, uh, if, you're, if you're faced with the prospect of spending 20 minutes in jail before they release you back on the streets, uh, that's not so much a deterrent. And keep in mind, people don't have long time horizons. They get out on the streets, they commit more crimes. Okay, I mean, they're, 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 there's case after case of that. But even if I concede that, you would admit that a, the cash bail is an egregious yeah, injustice. Well, well, and they, we do call it the justice system, right? So that would be our. We should have a better algorithm that doesn't let people. That's what I don't understand. Why doesn't the algorithm say, uh, "Okay, if you're a thief, we're going to keep you in, rich or poor, we're treating people equally." Uh, that's what I don't understand. Um, I, I agree that justice should not be beaded out. By well, yeah, but then you get the fact that the rich people commit different kinds of crimes. It's like they steal well, way never more gonna, money, but it's not right. It's, well, it's it's technically just white collar crime. Well, you're not going to. But the gravity of a crime to the public order is 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 worse, arguably, if it's a uh, physical theft. than. Oh, so you say crime. as an affluent. Well, but you're not going to cure that disparity. Cure the cure the obvious disparities you talk about it before you bring in these other arcade disparities. The criminal justice system isn't going to, uh, you know, make white collar crime treated equally with uh, violent blue collar crime. The revolution is coming. Now, haven't some lefty DAs- no, I think that's the opposite of the the opposite of the lesson we draw from that Jessa Boudin recall. No, I'm telling you, this was a temporary yeah. setback. The, re the revolution is coming. In fact, haven't some lefty DAs actually won in recent memory? I think the Chicago woman did, and I think Letitia and, James and, did. And is she the one, to get back to the revolution coming, who, whose parents were in the weathermen? No, Chess Obedience is the one whose parents were in the weathermen. Oh, I stand corrected. As, well, maybe the revolution all... isn't coming. So they did get rid of the one whose parents were in the weathermen. Correct. Don't you remember Leonard Boudin was a great trial lawyer and his daughter, Kathy Boudin, was ah, in Kathy the Weatherman Boudin. and was in the Brinks robbery that killed a bunch of people and she just died. But wasn't uh, the Chicago, maybe the maybe the daughter of Bill Ayers or something? Isn't there some Ayers, kind of... Ayers, Ayers, took, Ayers raised Chesa Boudin because his mother was in prison. Wait, Chesa Boudin is descended from every radical in America? Correct. All four of his, his, his de facto and his real parents are all Weathermen. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> well, no wonder he lost. That's too much to fight. Um, but the revolution is coming. You didn't know which way the wind was blowing. 
so to speak. Um, so, uh, what else? We got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, well, some of us going to have to wait for the pair room because you'd be surprised. Well, can we talk about talking. the collapse of the Iraq deal? Since that's a sort of 36 minutes we've been talking. Uh, it's a sort of it? earnest topic that we talk about here to save the fun for the paradigm. Is collapse official now? Well, people have started to proclaim it. I mean, the what art, article I read was by, uh, uh, so it was in it was in a right-wing publication. It was in the dis dispatch by mm. Pletka, Daniel Pletka. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, basically saying the support for it in Congress has evaporated. Uh, and there's, you know, they've. Thanks uh, to people like her, Iran may get a bomb. She was opposed to the deal, no doubt, right? Well, that's why I don't understand. What do these people, what do people who were opposed to the deal and now that the, uh, you know, it, 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 I don't know. Apparently, Malley is still trying his hardest, but is not getting anywhere. Uh, well, how can what, he if, if if Biden won't? You know, I mean, the Biden administration's afraid to do various things for fear of, I guess, the largely the Israel lobby. I don't, I don't know what exactly the, the fear the, is, but there's I, a I lot guess of fear. Menendez pr pronounced it dead, almost. Well, and he's joyful about that. He's certainly part of the. He's problem. not unhappy about that. Uh, yeah. But um, the uh, what do these people envision happens next? Next, there's an Israeli attack. I mean, what I don't understand. Well, there are different theories. I mean, one is that they just didn't think it through. I mean, if you go back and ask all these people who oppose it, Schumer opposed, you know, certainly almost, you know, most people in Israel and the Israel lobby opposed it. That was a big part of the political uh, obstacle to it to begin with that that Obama commendably overcame. Um, if you ask, like, well, wait a second, don't they want Iran's nuclear arms under control, a couple of answers are, well, they thought if they kept resisting this deal, they'd get a better deal. That's one. The more cynical answers are, no, they want war with Iran. And then a medium cynical answer is just, uh, well, they just fear closer relations between the U.S. and Iran. They, they consider Iran such an existential threat that they don't want to see that happened, but it does wind up being ironic. And you do hear, you know, you do, uh, you know, once it, the deal actually falls apart, thanks to Trump um, and and various people who are encouraging that, uh, probably including Jared Kushner, you'd know better than I. Um, once it falls apart, you get all this. Well, actually, you know, national security elites in Israel are now saying that they think this is worse and they'd be. They'd, they'd be, you know, they wish we still had the deal. Well, okay, it's a little late to speak up now. I mean, a, a couple of them did speak up at the time. Uh, but, it, you know, yeah, it's a worse situation unless you want uh, unless you want war with Iran to be more likely. It's a worse situation. If the Israelis do strike Iran to preempt the development of a bomb. They'd rather we did it, but they're willing would probably. they would they now have the saudis at their back because there's this rapprochement between the sunni arab world and israel and and, well, and, they and have, the saudis uh, do not know, particularly like no, Iran, the saudis right? would be with them in spirit the question is whether the Sa the saudis could not i think come out publicly in favor of it but they'd be they'd be secretly i mean in terms of the the royalty would be secretly cheering them on probably yeah they hate iran um wasn't well, that a favorable development if you're 
if you're if you're uh, a Saudi murderer, if you're who, who, if you're looking at the prospect of, a, of of your only hope to stop them getting a bomb is a military strike. Uh, well, but that wasn't the only hope. We had this under control, folks. It was completely I, under I, control. It was, not, it was under control in that they would only get a bomb in 15 years. No, it wasn't. The deal wasn't, oh, you get a bomb in 15 years. No, but that was obviously what was going to happen, no? Was it obvious? Who knows? I thought I mean, we made a bet that Iraq was going to reform, Iran was going to reform by the time this 15 years was why up. Why does it take reform? What do you mean reform? Why couldn't they, it, they just decide it's in their interest not to develop a bomb? And by the way, because they had- because the reformers, the reformers in Iran want the bomb too. But go ahead. Oh, okay, well, that's a good answer to that question if you want to ask the question. But the, um, the I believe they had agreed, and I think this was even part of the deal, but to sign on to what's called the additional protocol, the non-proliferation treaty, which uh, gives you rights, gives, uh, you know, opens them to, pretty intrusive inspections under certain circumstances that would have been important and that wouldn't have died with the deal i mean that would have been part of the mpt by the way they have they are part of the non-proliferation treaty and uh so for them to develop nuclear weapons would be to violate the treaty but they have the right to get out of the treaty with whatever six months notice it's not like they would be violating international law to develop nuclear weapons israel of course just didn't sign the treaty and then develop nuclear weapons. Um, Pakistan, India develop nuclear weapons outside of the treaty. Iran, as of now, is a member of the NPT uh, in good standing in the sense that they have not developed nuclear weapons. We had the option of keeping that going for, as you say, kind of a minimum of, of, of 15 years or something. And then you hope that you can work something else out. But what kind of fool throws that away for what we've got now, which is that they are they are enriching more uranium. They're unplugging cameras that were monitoring everything pretty comprehensively. Uh, and now, we, you know, we don't need this shit. The world has enough trouble. What kind of fucking fool lobbies for something like this? We just named I, several people who did. I tend to agree, I, but I guess the argument that they make is that Biden isn't turning the sanction screws tight enough in part because of the Ukraine situation. <laughs> yeah, that's worked great, those sanction screws. We've well, sanctioned they, the fuck out of them, Mickey. We've well, been doing they it did for hurt years them. They were trying to get out of years. it, right? People are dying there because of our sanctions. People are dying in Syria because of our sanctions. People are dying in Venezuela. And they never work. They never work. And Tony Blinken is out like virtue signaling, you know, how much, as, how as much? we kill people. For policies that do no fucking good. They how, never how, work. How strong could our sanctions against Venezuela be since we're desperate for their oil? Well, yeah, this is the kind of situation that makes us finally rethink it. They don't work. It's um, just it's just disgraceful. It's just disgraceful. And this is like one-fifth max of what's disgraceful about our foreign policy. It's just unbelievable. Don't get me started. I think, it's just, I think you're it's started. Just, um so, uh, well, anyway, we, um, it, it was also, uh, and I mean, on top of it all, Biden is going to go suck up to MBS who had a journalist for the Washington post chopped up into little bits. Okay. And Biden's going to go suck up to him. And meanwhile, keep sanctions on Venezuela who hasn't chopped up any Washington post journalists 
and Cuba and Syria and Iran for the sake of his high-minded fucking ideals. It's just so absurdly hypocritical. I, I, I can't believe Tony Blinken can get up in the morning and look at himself in the mirror. It's amazing. A crazy insidery idea is, would this, would this happen if Fred Hyde was still alive? He was the major, the major guy at a major paper who was uh, not letting everybody forget Khashoggi. Khashoggi yeah, well, was a was a Washington Post guy, but also Fred was a principled. Right. Uh, so he was a principled neocon who actually, you know, took a took a solid line on human rights consistently. He certainly, even if there hadn't been the Khashoggi connection to the to the post, he'd be he'd be criticizing uh, Biden's visit. But uh, well, it's I'm, just I'm, so embarrassing. Is there any tension in your worldview between your, I think, uh, laudable uh, defense of human rights in Saudi Arabia and your it's attitude not toward that human I'm rights in China? Human rights anywhere, Mickey. That's not what I'm doing. I, I, I I'm asking for a consistent policy. I'm not asking to sanction Saudi Arabia. Now I am saying we should not be sending them all these weapons, since a they are human rights abusers. I don't think we should be sending weapons to any any rampant human rights abusers. And I don't think we should be sending weapons to uh, people using them to kill a bunch of innocent Yemenis, which Saudi Arabia does. I don't think we should be giving them military support, but I don't think we should be sanctioning them. So my policy is consistent. I, I'm not advocating a very, uh, you, you know, uh, in that sense, a very judgmental foreign policy. I'm not advocating sanctioning people on human rights. Biden is. And I'm saying, well, if you're going to do it, be consistent. But, but, but I what I, I would do is not subsidize countries like that by sending you're, them weapons. You're objecting to a head of state visit to them, and you would not object to a head of state visit to China, even if they were torturing Uyghurs. Well, if look, if I were president, I wouldn't object to a head of state visit to anyone, okay? That would be my policy. I'm just pointing out that Biden, by because that's not his policy, is being egregiously inconsistent by doing this. I'm just pointing to the hypocrisy and inconsistency of American foreign policy. And you may say hypocrisy is part of life. Well, okay, but if you're going to have a super moralistic foreign policy, it really shouldn't be. Okay, is, You don't have to. It, it would be much more Biden-like Biden if his policy was... I'm Joe Biden. I'll talk to anybody. I talked to Putin. I spent right. the last 40 years right. running around the world talking to the worst dictators in the world. Of course, I'll, you know, I talked to everybody. Well, and people uh, thought he was going to have a, a more, a less judgmental policy with respect to, say, Cuba and Venezuela. Remember, Obama is the one who did the opening to Cuba that Trump shut back down. It is very Biden bizarre can't that Biden can't even restore that. It is bizarre that Biden hasn't restored that. He's not going to win Florida anyway. I mean, so. what I don't know is, is this by exact? That is a, such a good point. Repeat. I mean, I was just thinking that this morning. It's like, give up on Florida. It, it would it would liberate you. OK, it's not going to happen. And uh, but but my question is, is this Biden thinking this through or is he just putty in the hands of whoever he's talking to? And Tony Blinken and Jake Sullivan are the ones who talk to him about this. I, I don't know. We've had my my. Uh, I always say not putty, and you say putty, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you don't uh, think he's even all there? No, I don't think. I I, I think you know he's. 
he's cognitively not not nearly what he was. And uh, yeah, that's my position. And I and I think for that reason, he is more malleable in the hands of advisors. It just stands to reason. Yeah, we're we're finally starting to get some uh, in, insider backbiting uh, journalism out of the Biden administration. It's sort of pathetic so far, but the big one is that Janet Yellen uh, says that she initially thought the rescue plan was was the Biden's stimulus that happened right after he took office was too big because she thought Larry Summers might be right about inflation. Uh, and for this, of course, immediately now the Biden administration has started rumors that she's going to be replaced uh, by Gina Raimondo. Uh, so it's a, it's a classic case of uh, you, the insiders punish the person who was right and who had dared to like, you know, start, start uh, pointing fingers and, and recriminating. Uh, but what, what he needs is new insiders and the insiders aren't going to replace themselves. You know? uh, if, if everybody's talking about what, what's his pivot going to be after he loses big in the midterms. Well, start the pivot now. I, I know what I want it to be. Pivot toward Delaware. Pivot um, now. Pivot now. That should be our. Did you see yeah. his? I only saw a clip of it, but it was either Jimmy Fallon or the other Jimmy. Um, the the uh, Yeah. Did you see the little the little thing where he did seem to look kind of out of lunch, but you never know for sure because. No. Oh, it, it made the rounds last night on Twitter. He didn't um, look great. He didn't look great. Uh, what was it? He says uh, he's, he was talking about journalists and he said they have to get these clicks on the nightly news or something. Um, oh, but, yeah. But and then the other, yeah. the other thing he said is he talked he talked about how you never see, you know, interracial couples. If you turn on your TV, you never see interracial couples in ads, you know, are basically implying that, you know, capitalists are, are racist. And I I turn on TV. I don't turn on TV a lot. I turn on TV a month ago. There's nothing but interracial couples. The ads are like completely woke. They're not. They're not only interracial far. couples. They're fat interracial couples. There's nobody. They they they've like they've gotten rid of this body shaming thing, and they have normal people uh, doing normal things like never before. It's exactly the opposite of the of what Biden said, and that just proved that he was like isolated in another way, which is weird because he watches cable news a lot. That, that, that's what's so odd. Uh, I have no idea. So it sounds like you didn't buy the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue this year, Mickey. The one with the trans woman on the cover? No, no. She was, uh, it was, it was the body shaming issue. It was the don't, it was the, she was heavier than the average Sports Illustrated model. Yeah. Oh no. I remember, I, but I saw a bunch of stuff on Twitter. No, and it did not make me want to rush out to, I'm sorry. I'm with I'm with uh, I'm with Dave Weigel on that one. Okay, I'll leave <laughs> you to. Uh, we'll see whether you're uh, you, you get a one I, month suspension without pay. Uh, we'll I had I had a work. joke. I had a joke I was working on before this broke. How did before, it go? I'm before they punished Weigel, oh. and and then I chickened out. I I I I was scared to tweet it. What's the difference between the Washington Post and Libya, Bob? Uh, I don't know what. One's a chaotic, dysfunctional place riven by simmering feuds. The other's just and a country in the Libya. Middle East. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
that's that's killer stuff. Boy, I'm glad I didn't retweet that. Uh, thank you for not giving me the opportunity. So this is uh, what I get from soaking up the comedy culture of Hollywood. Yeah, maybe you should spend more time outdoors. So uh, uh, quickly on Ukraine, can I say a couple things? Oh yeah, Jesus. So it sounds like I get the sense that things have been moving Russia's way, kind of. Uh, as you know, I kind of think we we could have picked up on that fact a little earlier if we'd been paying attention. Um, I do think one reason uh, the media didn't pick up on it sooner is uh, this Institute for the Study of War. I did. A, did you see? I I mentioned you in my my newsletter piece in the non-zero newsletter. You yes, you gave it. me credit for the Kagan Industrial. I called Complex. you. I called you noted phrase maker Mickey Kaus. I, I was. I saw that. I thought it was over the top, Bob. Well, I was vacillating between. Are you noted, trying to suck up to me for some reason? I was vacillating. Well, there was supposed to be a tinge of irony that our, our more acute readers might have picked up I, on. Even I am not acute. Enough. But uh, I was vacillating between the noted phrase maker Mickey Kaus and and eminent phrase maker Mickey Kaus. But I thought eminent might have too much irony, and people like you might pick up on it. So I, I went with <laughs> noted. The um, anyway, so this think tank, the Institute for the Study of War, uh, which the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post have an unhealthy reliance on. I added up like I was writing the piece on posting it on June sixth. I added it up first six days of, of the month. There had been no fewer than 10 pieces in one of those publications in six days that cited the Institute for the Study of War and, and you know, attributed some information or analysis to it. I gave a couple of examples where they seemed to be clearly just buying into what was uh, spin designed to make things look as good as possible for our side in the war. Um, and I got to say, I recommend this piece to people, non-zero newsletter, but uh, it's not like it's a Russian walkover. It's just that you know, for the time being, at least, things are moving slowly in their direction. Um, I, and I think in terms of why, uh, one re apparently there's a big artillery asymmetry in terms of artillery pieces and ammo in favor of Russia. You can expect that to change to some extent. You would think it would have changed more because I think all our howitzers got delivered some time ago. But one thing I've heard lately is that the training takes longer than you might think, in part because it has to include training for maintenance. It isn't just how do you fire these things. You got to have people out there know to fix them if something goes wrong. Um, so I I don't think that all those howitzers are in place so that may before long slow the Russians down. And of course we got these multiple rocket launchers that supposedly they're saying people will be trained within uh, two or three more weeks. I, I, I'm sensing that the true operationalization takes longer than that. Um, the other, you can imagine in light of this, if indeed Ukraine is slowly getting more artillery firepower, you can imagine the timing working such that Russia just about does get control of uh, both Luhansk and Donetsk about the time that Ukraine becomes more, more formidable, in which case you would think Russia had all the more incentive to stop and talk. Whether Ukraine would want to, I don't know, but I really don't think Russia is going to stop and talk before that point, before they get to those two provinces, unless they just get stop dead in their tracks and, and Ukraine starts rolling them back. That doesn't seem to be where 
the momentum is now. But the the reason, another reason I realized that, it, that I think it would be unrealistic for Ukraine to have really grand aspirations in terms of rollback, and also a reason that the Russian advance may not continue for very long is apparently, and this makes sense when you think about it, uh, you know, cons, both sides are more and more reliant on less well-trained troops and conscripts and things like that because their best soldiers, a certain number of them, have been killed or, or severely wounded. And the thing about less well-trained soldiers is they're okay for defense, but they're not good at offense. So we may be moving toward a situation where neither side has as much offensive potential as they've had, and that could lead to something more like a stalemate. So if all these stars align, could be in a couple of weeks, uh, you know, because the the Russian progress, in addition to seeming at the moment to le to put to leave uh, Severodonetsk uh, kind of doomed from Ukraine's point of view, although you never know, it's not completely taken by the Russians yet. But in addition to that, it seems the Russians seem to be getting closer to these two city cities that are the key things in in Donetsk province. Severodonetsk, along with its little sister city, would pretty much wrap up Luhansk. These two cities would wrap up Donetsk. Yep. Russia is making progress toward them. So you can imagine, you can imagine both sides having reason to want to at least stop and take a breather so, in a few weeks. But So we'll last see. week we had two Goldilocks moments. One was the one you just outlined in Ukraine, where if there's a potential breathing, mm -hmm. breathing spot, once Russians take what they want in uh you know and in, you, in, and in the ukrainians area. have more artillery right. although and if the they have a ton they are, may get ambitious and right. want to roll it back right. but yeah and the second one was on the economy inflation was subsiding just enough so that the economy probably wouldn't tip into recession if and and the, so the one goldilocks moment is still there the second one has evaporated Oh, okay. The, the economy, yeah, yeah, Goldilocks yeah. And the inflation. Uh, I haven't read the today's inflation piece, but it sounds like uh, this is not a Goldilocks month. Yeah. Um, but well, you know, MBS, MBS, man, he's going to let that oil flow, and then everything will be wonderful. I always thought it was completely degrading that we went to beg the Saudis to increase the oil flow. I would just take the hit, but I guess I'm not running for re-election in November. Or not sanction Venezuela. Um, the the um. So we should. Are the we Saudis should, have must have vastly more power over oil than Venezuela. They right? do, but between Venezuela and Iran, and again, a deal is doable. I believe you you got non-trivial stuff. Uh, and this well, anyway, I don't know much about oil. Anyway, so we should. Uh, we're 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 up close to an hour. We should we should start talking parrot room. Talk about okay. the things we will talk about at patreon.com slash parrot room um i want to talk more about felicia son of the washington post uh really yeah um yeah i do too but i'm scared to admit it well i i, I want to talk about what this whole phenomenon we just witnessed represents it's it's an interesting thing and uh compare and contrast it to other things i may write about it in my newsletter and i want to ask you about that Okay. Uh, maybe get slightly more into that LA Times uh, backstory. Um, I want to talk. What's the LA Times backstory? Uh, the, the the guy she me too. Oh, okay. Uh, the um, 
uh, maybe I'll get a little into this, uh, whatever, LIV golf tour that the Saudi government is funding, the rival of the PGA. I think their turn, their first tournament started today. I want to talk well, about I never, that. Yeah, I, I've been seeing tweets about it, like attacking Phil Mickelson and things like that. Yeah. And there, uh, there were a few last minute, uh, I don't want to use the term sellouts, but let's say they're not doing it for the quality competition. Phil Mickelson, you've, you've sacrificed everything you stood for. I didn't even know Phil Mickelson stood for anything. He's never so. stood for anything but making more money. Uh, uh, the um, By his own account, there's actually a quote from him to that effect. Uh, the, uh, what else? Um, That's what we're all about in the parrot room. Oh, I know. There's, uh, I want to talk about, it's not my theory, but I only just came across it. And it's actually pretty smart about uh, why Microsoft is going to win the metaverse race, not Facebook. Microsoft will own the metaverse. There's a, there's a plausible argument, surprisingly plausible argument to that effect. Um, I'll mention a documentary I saw part of called The Glitch in the Matrix. Um, and uh, that may be, I'll ask you to cut if you've watched any TV, like if you've watched more severance, but this is. Um, uh, there is one severance related item I want to mention, but I will answer your question in the parrot room. But um, uh, there was uh, some big Epstein news, which completely went, I mean, a big Epstein development involving Elon Musk that completely didn't got, did not get any media coverage at all. Okay. Uh, I uh, there's developments in the lab leak hypothesis of the origins of COVID. Okay. There's uh, I have some very un PC thoughts about Ken Bodie. Wait, remind Nothing. us. Is he the Ken Bodie was the NBC? He was the host of Washington Week, and then he was replaced uh, by Gwen Ifill. Uh -huh. And I do not have anything nasty to say about Ken Bodie. <laughs> so, about Gwen Ifill, you mean? No, I mean Ken Bodie. So, um, well, you're not going to say anything nasty about Gwen Ifill, I hope, didn't she? Well, not die? anything nasty. But everybody loves her. But uh, wait, is she? You'll still see. Alive? You'll have to wait till the parrot room to see. Okay, how I thread this needle. Okay, she's still around. No, she died. That's what I thought. How can you say something mean about her? Uh, that's why it's unPC, Bob. <laughs> okay okay folks give me a break only five dollars a month for this <laughs> um patreon.com slash parrot room uh okay there's We're a gonna... bunch of other stuff but we'll talk about it all right i may, I may talk about whether i'm no longer a democrat <laughs> okay <laughs> what was that <laughs> what did that mean well, you're not still pretending you're not a conservative, are you? I thought you'd given that up. Well, I, no? no, of course I hadn't given that up. Oh, but it sounds now you're promising that you may. So good, that would be great if you did. No, I'm I'm debating. Okay. Uh, well, I can help. I, You'll I'll, see. I'll, I'll okay, I, I I need your help. I need I your can help. Okay. I need your advice. All right. So we will see folks in the parrot room. And uh, and I'll sing a song. Can't wait.